Hello, I'm Chris Moon, a fellow artist manager myself, and I will be your guide through Tough Love, Adventures in Artist Management. Today we speak with an old friend of mine, Edward O'Day, one of the co-founders of Project Daybreak Artist Management. Edward happens to manage one of my favorite artists over the last year or so, Caroline Rose. And in our conversation today, we speak of the importance of being a fan of the artists you work with, the nature of the artist-artist manager relationship, the emotions that go into the work you do together, and the importance of being humbled and seeking counsel from your peers. Without further ado, here's my conversation with Edward. My name is Edward O'Day, and I'm a co-founder of a boutique artist management company based out of Nashville, Tennessee, called Project Daybreak Artist Management. Um, we have a stable of artists that range from Caroline Rose, Street Corner Symphony, Jeremy Lister, and a band called Waker that we've been developing. Um, our goal and focus is to kind of be able to to not bite off more than we can chew by having a roster that's too big, but really focus on artist development and giving our artists the tools and, and value that we feel they need and deserve to get to the next level of their career and, and hopefully be building for a long-term, you know, career in a, in a very difficult, uh, industry. Yeah, true. <laughs> it's a, it's a challenge, uh, on all sides. Um, well, thanks for that, Edward. Um, since it all kind of starts with the music, um, do you mind sharing who your first kind of musical crush was and how that kind of developed over time? Definitely. I, uh, I benefited from having two older brothers, six and seven years ahead of me. Um, and they were in high school and what I consider a really exciting time in music where bands like U2 and R.E.M. were just kind of breaking in the early 80s. So from a very young age, maybe even 10, um, I had an older brother who was very insistent on sharing with me what he considered very cool music while I was absorbed with bands like Duran Duran. Um, and so yeah, through that, you know, he would make tapes for me that had, you know, R.E.M. and The Cure and uh, The Smiths and, and Early on, I just really connected with those bands. And, and I love that those bands were somewhat underground in a commercial sense. Um, but that kind of really formed, uh, I, I think, what is today my palette. I mean, I really fell in love with the idea of bands, per se, and, and you know, a group of individuals working together and playing and writing. And um, I, I still can go back to the Smiths and some of those early records when I was 10, uh, and, and find so much pleasure and nostalgia. And also hearing bands like that, they were super relevant then and they're super relevant today, which I think is is what every artist is kind of chasing. Um, but that foundation was really significant. It was probably 1985, 86, and I was nine, 10 years old and listening to like Reckoning and Murmur um, those old RM records were just really significant. And I also just thought they were so cool being against the grain of what was in popular music at the time. And of course I branched out, um, you know, years later I fell in love with improv and jazz and, and uh, classical music. But I find that across the board, you know, I'm, I love that I'm still just very affected by music. I can listen to music and experience a wide range of emotions and, and a lot of times that that kind of helps me realize that I'm in the field that I should be in. You know, if if I was if I was able to if, if I listened to music and wasn't affected in an emotional way, I'd be very concerned and and think I need to be in a different industry. But you know, I can listen to songs and and be moved to tears and be energized. And I find that music has helped me through a lot of periods of my life where there's been chaos and and. Uh, you know, and for those reasons, I just love advocating for artists and and being in this in this industry. E even though there's, we joke a ninety nine percent failure rate. <laughs> it's uh, you know, artists deserve to have teams that really believe and and want to help open doors and create sustainability. But I definitely have you know felt since such a young age that music has been such a sense of comfort for me and and uh, 
you know, I still find myself driving around in my car and listening to music way too loud just because I'm excited by what I'm hearing. No, that's great. I mean, I think it is a common thread uh, for a lot of people. And I, I think at this point where we're at in this industry, you almost have to be a fan first and foremost and have those memories and connective points, um, those kind of benchmarks, mile markers, you know, in life uh, to want to, sh- you know, fight for artists and uh, see them have that impact for other uh, fans as well. Uh, it's such an important component. It is. And, and I, you know, I also spent time, you know, I spent time on the road. I spent time touring. I mean, I was in a band for five years that had incredible ups and downs and huge, you know, attorney's fees and, and, you know, signed with a major label booking agency and, you know, things stopped moving forward and had bad managers. And I think sometimes we forget on this side of the aisle, just how traumatic those experiences can be for artists. And, you know, when you look back at REM and some of those career bands that have lasted 20, 30 years, you know, from the outside, it looks great. And like, they must have had an amazing experience. But the truth is, it's, you know, this career is filled with super highs and super lows. And I think trying to understand what that can do for an artist, and how they navigate those highs and lows is really important. And, it, and it's something that, you know, Brad and I, with our company really take a lot of time and attention to because I feel like this career is difficult and it and and we can't expect artists to be superhuman and to know how to navigate the highs and lows and and giving them a, a safe space to you know work through issues and and you know help kind of guide them through the those ups and downs is really important um no you're absolutely right um there's so much more to artist management than the nuts and bolts of navigating the industry um, you know, with that in mind, you know, thinking through, um, launching this podcast and, and chatting with various managers, uh, you know, I was wanting to get everybody's take on what their personal definition of an artist manager is. So how do you best sum that up? It's a lot harder than you would think it would be in a lot of ways. And I actually was just sitting down with a, with a younger manager this morning who was, wanted to grab my ear because he's having to navigate some tough situations and, and, you know, was curious, you know, just needed some guidance. And we were talking about that very question. Um, you know, and a lot of time, I would say that artist management serves a lot of different purposes. I think we, some managers forget that at the end of the day, you know, the artist, we actually work for the artist. Um, Sometimes I like to think about that role as like the quarterback. Um, you know, we're helping navigate all the relationships between their label, their publicist, you know, their booking agent, their business manager. You know, we're helping navigate all those agendas um, and filtering through what we think is best for our artists. And then on the other hand, we're also just helping, you know, insulate and and, and protect the artist who is essentially our boss. You know, we're we're taking what we believe is is the best path for their vision um, and honoring that and, and going and fighting for it and, and, you know, adding steps that we feel is going to really help further their career, but also protect them so they can do this for as long as they want. Um, I don't think there's an, I don't think in today's market, there's an easy way to define it because we wear so many hats. Um, I, I think how we walk through it is is creating a professional close relationship with our artists to where there's trust on either side and where they know we're fighting for them but also listening to them um i think just think that's key because as our industry changes and as lanes open up and close and as you know the sale of cds is now pretty much non-existent um navigating through these challenges and having the the confidence in your team or for the artist to have the confidence in their team from a management perspective is key because really, you know, we're the front line. And, and, and while we're the front line, we're also protecting and honoring their vision. Um, so, you know, you wear a lot of hats and I wish there was a simple way to define it, but 
you know, it, it's, I feel like this position has really grown um, when you're, when you're an artist manager now, because it's not, the industry has gotten more, you know, it's, it's, it's gotten wider and it's gotten noisier and there's new channels and new pathways. So it's a big part of it is, you know, maintaining consistency and taking care of your artists in, in the best way possible. Yeah. I mean, you really are that buffer. It's the artist and then it's you and then the rest of the world, you know, and you're that kind of go between, um, and not only on a professional level, but on a personal level, quite often, it's a very intimate relationship and hard to, you know, it's really hard to find a right analogy, um, you know, to, to explain, <laughs> to say your parents or your friends, <laughs> you know, this is what I do and every day is different and every situation is different and it requires a lot of emotional energy in a lot of ways. It does. And I think within the management, you know, I, I feel like we also have, you know, artists have, we always encourage artists to go, you know, make friends with other bands, right? M make friends with other people who are doing what you're doing so that you have a support network. Um, and, and I feel the same way with managers. You know, there, there have been many a times where I've texted or emailed you and said, man, I need to, <laughs> I need some clarity and help on a situation. And you've always, right. you know, made yourself, you know, open and, and, <clears throat> and it's important that we have people that we can kind of, you know, have those questions and, and, and lean on and, and work through things. I think the most important thing you said that I keep going back to with younger managers is, you know, you have this intimate relationship with an artist who becomes a close friend, a colleague, but you're also challenged because you're navigating through business and, and you have to be able to, in that relationship, go, you know, to the next level and have some really tough conversations, right? That sometimes just a friend, a friend couldn't, you know, it's challenging. You know, sometimes you, you know, sometimes you disagree. You have to learn to trust each other. Um, you have to make sure that, that your artist feels heard. Um, and, and also that you're not, you know, our, our big thing is not being just, you know, a, a yes person. Because if I'm just, you know, rolling over, then I'm not serving our artists in the best way possible and helping give them the opportunity to, you know, to make the right decision. Cause at the end of the day, it's their decision, you know, for 99% of this. And you're just trying to give them the tools, you know, to, to make the best kind of path for themselves. Right. Right. Yeah. There's a scratching at that kind of definition component. Uh, I, I and you touched on this a second ago, talking about, you know, uh, not just being a yes man or whatever, uh, or woman, but, you know, it, it feels like there is a, a definition between a style of management that where you either work for someone or you work with them. And, and that definition difference is that when you work for someone, you're kind of just going through the motions you know, pushing stuff out and, you know, highlighting the direction they want to go where when you work with somebody, there is more of a kind of a team mentality, uh, and partnership, if you will. Um, and it, for me, I know I like those partnerships better. It gives me the opportunity to be creative alongside the artist and at least on the business side of things. Uh, and it opens up more opportunity across the board, uh, but there's certainly a style of artist and artist management that is more of that kind of work for component. Um, but it's, it's a nuanced difference, but um, it's, it's two different routes to kind of take. But most of the people I know and admire on the management side see it more as a teamwork kind of working with partnership component. Um, is that an experience you found in your travels as well? I mean, a hundred percent. And I feel like you're right. It's, you know, unfortunately, you know, there's, there's in, in every, you know, career, there's, you know, faux managers and, and people that dial it in are just, you know, the, for me personally, and I know for Brad with our company, I want to work with an artist, right? I, I want to achieve those goals together. I want to be, you know, a voice of reason. I want to be a collaborator. Um, you know, it's a really exciting industry, right? And it's, 
it, it dawned on me many moons ago. Um, you know, a talented, a talented artist, you know, if, if an artist is talented, anybody, anybody could potentially manage that artist and be successful. You know, I, I'm, you know, I, I, I could come in on another team and probably be a, a successful manager, right? I think what makes it special though, and what makes it different than just cold business, right? Where there's profits and losses and is that the relationship you have with the artist can be so special. And when you're working together and when they feel trust and when you're entrusted to help with their creative career, that's a real honor. Um, and especially when the relationship, you, you know, we, we tend to work with artists that we really believe in and feel uh, lucky to be part of the team. And so we, we treat that relationship with a lot of respect and knowing that they don't have to work with us. There's other talented managers that could probably go do a great job, you know, because the artist is just naturally talented to begin with. Um, you know, some managers joke that it's about standing, just getting out of the way and, 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 you know, and letting the artist do their thing. And I think it's not as simple as that, but it kind of is as well, right? If someone has a great team and they're talented, a lot of managers could come in and do a great job. Um, where it really comes together for us is when you feel connected to that artist and you feel honored to be a part of, you know, bringing to the market what they're creating because you believe in it. And, you know, with a handful of our, the artists that I've worked with over the years, I take that very, very seriously. And I, and I love seeing their art go into the market and, and work in the way that you hope it does. Um, you know, that's a very special relationship and it's, in an industry that's as tough as it is, I think that's what that's what makes all of us stick with this um, is is having those type of relationships because they're so personal, yet they're also business and they can be tricky and it's like a family at times. But it's also, as you know, a really special thing when it clicks and everyone's working and 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 an artist is growing. I mean, that's a pretty pretty amazing feeling. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. And that kind of touches on something else I was hoping to bat around with you a bit. Like what's your criteria, not necessarily even criteria, but what are the things that stand out to you when you're kind of surveying, dancing around the idea of working with an artist? Like what are the things that, um, you know, what boxes get ticked that you go, oh, this is something that could be really special that I could contribute to? I think this is a great question. And unfortunately, <laughs> I have probably uh, lost out on a lot of great artists, you know, that I've been invited to the table that I've just passed on because if I don't love it, I I'm not going to be able to serve them well, right? At the end of the day, especially in this market where there's so much noise and so many bands, Sometimes you find yourself getting caught up in the race to get to win, you know, to wins, you know, whatever the artist is you're going after. And there's usually a moment in that race where I think, wait a second, when all this dust clears and all of a sudden on Monday morning, I walk into my office super early. Am I going to be motivated all day long to pick up my phone and essentially fight for that artist and, and create opportunity where maybe opportunity doesn't even exist yet? And I think our criteria is that we have to love it, right? I, I have to love it, see a path for it. But if I don't, if I don't feel connected to it, I'm not going to give it a hundred percent, right? It's and and we're not genre specific. I mean, I love all types of music. Um, but I have to believe it and love it to go the distance and to give it a hundred percent of my energy. Um if not, it's just, it's just, you know, it, it's too much like work. It's too much like work. Yeah. It, it, I mean, which isn't bad in and of itself, but I, I, I can totally relate to what you're saying. Yeah. There's a lot that, you know, look, as you know, we have a lot of friends who are artist managers who they see it as simple business, you know, and they're very successful. Um, for me, what drives me though, again, going back to your first question, goosebumps, you know, sitting in a car and and you know feeling so emotional about what i'm hearing i mean i 
I recently told one of our artists last week that I'm going to blow out my eardrums because I keep wanting to hear this song as loud as possible while I'm driving because I'm so wrapped up in it. Um, you know, it's like I, I, I have to feel connected to to want to go out and fight in an industry that's just incredibly difficult. Um, and I think you need that passion because the, the the cards are already, you know, in a lot of ways, the, the the deck's already stacked against you. You know, it's your fight. If it's a if it's an artist that's not signed, you know, you, you've got to create visibility and a path in a market where, you know, labels are sinking lots of money into artists that they're developing. It's like, how do you get above the noise? And that takes a lot of energy. Um, and so, if you're not, you know, if it's just a client, it's hard to serve them. You know, at the end of the day, if it's not, if there's not a, a connective tissue there with, with the art that they're creating. Right. And it's hard to be creative on the business side unless you have that kind of uh, itch, you know, and, and kind of, I, I always equate it to like, I know it's right and feels good um, as far as the relationship goes. If I'm waking up at three in the morning with an idea, you know, or a thought going, oh, I need to connect this artist with this person or wouldn't it be great if we tried this um you know that kind of thing it's like uh, it, it has to go beyond just the nuts and bolts of the business side of it that's where the emotional component comes in um i i think that's so important and it seems like everyone does their best work in that environment totally and how lucky at the end of the day are we to be able to work in a field where you get to have that type of strategy, right? I mean, that there's, True. you know, Saturday night, Brad was was at a show in New York with one of our artists. He texted me something. And next thing I know, I was laying up at one in the morning thinking about that one text sent me into this whole, you know, other phase of, of, of this release coming up in the spring and, and this excitement over how to get to X, Y, and Z and, you know, it was in that moment that I thought, I love, you know, this, this is, you know, this is part of my passion, right? It's like being able to to, to carve out that plan, cultivate those relationships, and, and build a career path for an artist. Again, I feel honored in so many ways to, to get to be a part of that package and to be entrusted with that by an artist. And, uh, you know, as as you've experienced, you know, when an artist really trusts you to to manage their career, that's yeah, that, that's that's a that, that's a significant honor that you should not take lightly because sometimes they only get one shot, um, you know, and and it's you know it, there, there's again with a ninety nine percent failure rate in our industry, it's like you, you know I, we take that very seriously and and we don't ever want to lose sight of that. Yeah. Um, yes, mentioning the, the failure rate component, that's another thing I was uh, curious to get your thoughts on. How do you quantify success for an artist and with an artist? Because it's usually kind of, you know, some sort of uh, joint definition, you know, do you have with your artist as far as like, okay, we're hoping to achieve this, you know, but how do you put points on that that are uh, quantifiable enough to feel like you're moving the ball down the field? Yeah, I think, again, I think that's a great question. Um, so, I, you know, we found that, like, for us, I really like to look at things as here's a 6, 12, 24, 36-month plan, right? And to kind of have these goals along the way, because sometimes, you know, it's it's not as easy as you grow a sex amount of money, you know, therefore, you know, we're at this stage of our career. As you know, that variable alone with money as an artist grows, you know, so so does their cost, right? So more money may be coming in, but more, you know, more money is actually going out as well um, to cover, you know, your growing business. So for us, it's like, it can be as simple as, are we selling tickets? Are, are we, you know, are we achieving, you know, the goals that we set forth when we sat down with this artist and, and and had our, you know, brainstorm session of how we feel like we can get to a career path? 
in a lot of ways, one of the things that we focus on is is hard tickets, right? It, it can be as simple as the industry may fluctuate, but if we can help curate a hard ticket for this artist, no matter what happens on the industry side, they're selling tickets and they're growing. And I think that that's indicators like that are really important because we can't, we don't create the music, you know, and at the same time, an artist is making what they feel best reflects, you know, this moment in time, but you also can't, we can't control how the, how the market responds to a record. Um, press can't, you can spend all the money in the world at press, you can spend all the money in the world at radio, and maybe something just doesn't click. So again, I think you go back to what was our 12, 24, 36 month plan. And if, and if, and if our goal is to sell, you know, a thousand tickets in major markets and, and 600 tickets in secondary markets within an 18 month period, you know, are we getting there? Are, are, are we growing our numbers on social media? Is our artist connecting with fans and, and, you know, and what can we do to further that relationship? Um, so I think you have to take a bit of a holistic approach when you're looking at that 360 view. Um, you know, there there are times where things click out of the gate and, and you feel growth immediately. And then there's times where you have a really special artist that you can't seem to make people believe, you know, believe in yet. And so you have to go back to the drawing board. Um, so I think success is defined differently, you know, per per your artist, right? So I think it, you know, it depends on where they are within, within the timeline. Um, you know, I always harken back to some of these being in Nashville and, and we don't work in country music, but being in Nashville, these amazing stories about, you know, hearing that Alan Jackson was turned down by every major label twice. Um, right. you know, some of those stories though are very, uh, you know, they also give great perspective that it sometimes takes a minute yeah, for whatever reason, our society seems to push the narrative of if you work hard, you achieve this, or you're expected to achieve this. Um, and quite often, most success stories aren't quick. They take a long time to develop, and they're you know, kind of riddled with a lot of uh, disappointment and rejection. And that really isn't, that narrative's not really told as much. And it's kind of a juicy narrative. You know, but yet it's not really told that much. Um, I, I recently been watching a couple of documentaries that kind of come to mind. Actually, last night I watched, I forget the name of the film, but it was you uh, 2 looking back on the making of Octoon Baby and kind of moving from Joshua Tree into that record and knowing they needed to make a change. But the one insight that I wasn't aware of watching it is they were talking about the whole debacle around... Um, rattle and hum and making that film and how when they were touring behind the joshua tree they were miserable and felt like failures but on the outside they were hitting a stride and having amazing shows you know that that was their perception and it, it just kind of goes to show you just how hard even at that level when you obtain essentially what you're aiming for you hit you meet a certain level of success that you aim for right and yet it's still difficult on a certain level. Um, I mean, meeting people is easy is another great example. You know, Radiohead coming through that. Um, have you listened to the the leaked um, mini disc recorders um, collection? It's it's actually really insightful um, to, to digest that and hear them work through songs. I mean, that was a pivotal record for a lot of people of our generation. Uh, and when you go back and you basically hear them workshop things and trying to figure it out, I mean, they were one or two steps away from either making a really brilliant record or really commercial record or a really mediocre record. And they, it took them a lot of work to iterate, to get to the place they did. Um, and it's just a fascinating, you know, vantage point into that and kind of life affirming to go, that's part of the process. More people need to understand that it's not, oh, I woke up and wrote this amazing song, recorded it, and then everyone loves it. It's like, that's not really the narrative <laughs> that uh, reality is based in. No, and you, you make a great point, though. And one of the things 
I was actually having this conversation this morning is that I'm a big believer in empowering our artists with knowledge, right? It's not, it's a tough industry. And just like you said, it's not just, oh, this song came to me and it blew up. And, and all of a sudden, you know, there's a lot of highs and lows again, right? And, and navigating those highs and lows, you know, is so, is very difficult at times for an artist. And they're in a bubble and they're touring and they're exhausted. And, and I think giving artists the tools to kind of understand some of the challenges that are going on in their own career is very empowering for them. Um, I mean, I watched the Coldplay documentary recently and I was seeing, you know, I, I found it fascinating and I always tell artists to go dig into these documentaries, but the fact that they had a friend since 1998 until present day, basically have a camera on them was amazing to be able to trace those highs and lows. And, and I think it was 2005 where New York Times destroyed their record. And, you know, seeing the reaction that it had on Chris Martin when they were, you know, becoming one of the biggest bands in the world was very humbling, right? Like, you know, despite the amount of success they're having commercially, you know, it, it, it's the grind is still hard. It's hard when you get rejection. It's hard when you read things that are not favorable. And then how, you know, how an artist internalizes that and then somehow turns it off and goes and plays for 20,000 people a night, you know, that's emotionally fatiguing, right? Like that's, yeah. that's a roller coaster. And I think far too often we, we drive artists and we push them hard, hard, hard to get to the next level. And then they get to the next level, but they still need to have the fortitude and strength to survive the next level. Um, I mean, I think documentaries are, are really key. I mean, you, you know, you and I grew up with bands like Pearl Jam and Radiohead breaking. Um, and younger musicians looked to Radiohead as the ultimate indie band or even Nirvana, right? And the reality is, you know, Radiohead had a massive commercial hit with Creep, you know, in 19, what, 93. And they were on MTV Spring Break, you know, playing for an audience that is completely, you know, bipolar to how kids today go back and look at the band but but that commercial success gave them the footing to kind of do what they want um you know same thing with nirvana they wanted to go in and make you know a massive record you know they they wanted even though they they appeared to be so indie oriented they still wanted huge commercial success and, they, and to hear kurt cobain talking about that is fascinating right it's almost like with both of those artists in particular, they had to obtain what they thought they wanted to realize that's not quite what, what we wanted, but now we have the ability to, to go and carve our own path. Um, um, that's a hard lesson for artists to, um, you know, grovel with, uh, no doubt. Um, no, that's fascinating. Um, so what are some of your favorite moments as an artist manager and the follow up and kind of counter to that would be, what are some of your least favorite moments? Yeah, again, another great question. Uh, I, you know, I had a moment at South by in 2019 where I was watching one of our artists, uh, on the Waterloo stage and, I, you know, I was kind of completely brought to tears. It had been a journey to get to that point. Um, there had been some, some huge hurdles uh, with where we started with the record and where we ended up. Um, and there was a moment where I was uh, watching the artist and, and literally just brought to tears on, uh, on a few different levels. But on a side note, when I was feeling emotional i looked over at 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 our a and r person for the label and i noticed that you know that the a and r person was also in tears and it was really a a significant moment of you know the excitement but also looking at this artist and thinking how proud i was that they persevered and that they never gave up and that they were doing the thing that they you know believed in the most and and, and and we're able to share that. And I think those moments are really powerful, you know, and being a part of that team and being a part of that moment for me was something that, you know, 
I'll never forget. Um, and it's great to have, you know, it's, it's great when things as, as things can get so businessy, right? And it's great when you can get back to that human level and it's not just about the deal, the structure, the path, you know, the marketing plan, but you can, you can kind of have a moment where you're just enjoying being with your artists and hearing them perform and feeling so emotionally moved by whatever experiences have led to this moment. Um, I also, on, on, on an easy note, I, I love when I'm sitting down with a band and, and we're formulating a plan and I'm, and I'm watching everyone come together and, and, I, and I'm seeing members bring ideas to the table and just feeling that sense of a team and everyone working together, that kind of, kind of camaraderie um, is really exciting, especially when it's a younger band. Um, to see them take ownership and and to see them hustle and fight for you know what they believe in is, is exciting. I think the tough things um, I think there's you know you, if you're in this industry long enough, you're gonna lose clients, you're gonna walk away from clients. Um, I think there's times where I, and then you can have clients implode and break up and and you've put, you know, you, you've put years into, you know, a band. I mean, we we had a client that we basically took from college uh, to five or six years later to where they were really on a strong path. And and for whatever reason, a couple of members decided to leave unexpectedly. And, and it was heartbreaking, um, you know, because you're not just investing in the music, but you're investing in these individuals. Right. And, and to see that kind of implode in front of you and to not be able to control it was also a reminder that, in our industry, nothing is forever. Um, I think those moments are always tough. Um, I think if if you care about your artist, you know, just as much as you sometimes wake up in the middle of the night thinking about creative strategies, sometimes watching your artist hurt or go through something very difficult is gut wrenching, right? Because because there are situations, you know, that come up in a in an artist's career that. Um, sometimes require legal action and sometimes, you know, you navigate through some pretty heavy stuff and, and watching your artists go through, you know, those moments can be very tough just as, as a human being, you know, you don't want them to, to hurt, um, you know, especially, you know, and sometimes it's unavoidable, right? Like you, right. you can help an artist out of a really hard situation and, and, and you can feel good about it, but it's, you know, this industry can really unfortunately this industry can kind of you know can also kill an artist to a degree right certain situations just take too much out of the artist and and it's hard to rebound um so those are tough right because for for us as managers there's there's bands on every corner there's always going to be artists to work with um but it's sad but you know it's sad when relationships sometimes end too soon or you know, watching your artist struggle, you know, know, knowing that, you know, there, there's a blue sky on the horizon, but you just got to get there and it's going to take a minute. Um, th- those are challenging. Yeah. I mean, it kind of goes back to what you were saying earlier, that kind of personal element. I know for me, when I've stopped uh, a relationship or or jettison from a relationship, however you want to put it, I, I try to rectify it by going back to uh, that kind of human element and friendship and go, well, what do I want to see for this artist? And if I can't play a role in that, or if this relationship can't continue towards that goal, uh, I'd much rather, you know, to see them succeed on the sidelines, you know, as a fan uh, and a friend, as opposed to, you know, trying to figure out a path forward together. And that's a, it's a real hard place to get to um, whether you choose to, to take that path or, whether it's chosen for you, um, it's, it's still because of that emotional element. <laughs> it's still really hard, um, but I I like to think that ideally, you know, because of how hard this industry is and uh, the one percent chance we all have uh, on the artist front, that whatever it takes for them to get there uh, is a better path, uh, whether I'm a part of that or not. I completely agree. Yeah, we 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 have that conversation a lot, uh, and, and you know, yeah, I, I agree with you there, hundred percent. 
Yeah. Has there ever been an artist you went after that, you know, you mentioned earlier there's stuff that you've passed on, but is there something you really went after that you were hoping you could uh, sink your teeth into and it just didn't come together? You know, I'm sure, I mean, yeah, I mean, there, there definitely has been. Um, I find that, I mean, I, I think I find that being boutique has one advantage that I just can't take more than I can chew, right? right? So in a lot of ways, when we're going after stuff, our immediate, the follow-up question that Brad and I will have all the time is, so we like this, we're going to go after it. And then it's like, when, 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 you know, when we kind of start putting things in perspective and start thinking about the building blocks of if we get this artist, we quickly also have a conversation. Is the timing right for this? <laughs> you know, right. do, do we have the bandwidth? And is this going to take away from something else? You know, is it going to negatively impact what we're already working on with someone else? Um, so yeah, there, there have been some artists out of the, out of the box, you know, in, in different fields that we've gone after that I've really thought would be fun and I've, and I've connected with. And there's actually been more, though, that I think I leave, you know, we either pull out early, realizing that, like, hey, we like this, but just like you said, we're, we're totally okay to watch this from the sideline. You know, at the end of the day, you know, although we could help, we're not passionate about it. Um, but I could definitely point to one or two where I thought, oh, that's a bummer. But then sometimes, you know, it's, it's easy when you get, it's easy when, when you get beat out by someone that you really respect, right? You know, or, you know, as a younger management company, when we have lost out on a great artist, you know, it's usually come down to us and someone else. And usually that someone else is someone that I have great respect for. So, you know, it's like, wow, they're going to be in a great position. And I also love that we were in the running with someone of that caliber, you know, who, who's who's been around longer and and I really respect. So it's, you know, that softens the blow if it's something that you felt connected to. Right. No, that's a fair point. Um, well, who's some of the um, kind of prototypes uh, and, and kind of touch points for yourself uh, on the artist management front or manager front rather that you try to emulate or kind of pattern the, the role you play with your artists in the company you're building. You know, I really admire John Peets at Q prime. Um, you know, when Brad and I launched our company, we spent months drinking coffee with John early in the morning, strategizing, getting advice, um, and I feel like far too often with so many bands, there's now so many managers. And I think the relationship and what embodies a manager is so much more than just jumping on the train of a great artist. And I think with John in particular, I've always admired his steadfast plan. Like he, you know, when he, when he works with an artist, there is a vision, you know, again, there's a 12, 24, 36 month plan, you know, and he is so thoughtful about how he's going to build this artist and surround them with, with the best tools and people possible. And in the back of my mind, every time I sit down and, and think about, you know, carving out a career, I think about John and I think about how, you know, how methodical and thoughtful he is and how, I think a lot of younger managers forget that and they just kind of start plugging away, not thinking about the bigger picture. Um, and I've learned in the past 10 years now of doing this that, you know, the big picture is everything. And then how all the little parts lead to that big picture are key in developing a career artist. Um, I also really, there's a handful of managers that I really respect in Nashville because I feel like they don't get caught up in the, you know, in, in the gossip game of being a manager in this town right now where it seems like everyone's a manager. Um, you know, I, I th there's a handful of people that I know when my phone rings at 11 o'clock at night and it's a friend of mine who's a manager, you know, <laughs> he needs to have a conversation 
you know, just like I might have called you in the past, right? It's like, you know, th th these managers that take it very seriously, but sometimes need a second opinion and aren't afraid to, you know, to chat with a friend about it. Yeah, I mean, that's so, that com community component is so important. And I think most managers, even if they work within a company or have a partnership, have a tendency to still kind of see themselves as an island uh, quite often. Uh, but I mean, I was fortunate enough, one of my mentors early on uh, taught me that lesson. I remember going to him and saying, hey, I have a question about this. Do you, you know the answer? And he's like, you know, I don't, but I know who does. And, you know, at that point I thought, oh, he'll tell me who I should reach out to. No, within a second or two, he pulled out his phone, dialed it, and put me on the phone with the person who knew the answer to the question I had. And that was just so profound for me because it's humbling to, uh, you know, admit that you don't have an answer. And, and a, lot of, a lot of times, quite often, managers have a hard time struggling with that because uh, they're the one that everyone looks to to have the answer. So to, to be humble enough to, you know, acknowledge you don't know this answer, but then also to be helpful enough to know who to go to and then connect in that way was just something that I, I always try to do and strive to. Uh, and it's kind of the community component I try to hopefully tap into as well. I, I've utilized that so many times in my career, uh, reaching out to somebody I know in a new experience pops up that I'm unfamiliar with and just, ha you know, ask that honest question. Like, hey, this is happening. I have no idea what to do. What would you do or what did you do in the past? I mean, it's so important um, to have that uh, small group of trusted uh, colleagues and friends that you can reach out to in that manner. Well, yeah, I mean, you've helped me through some of some amazing times in, 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 in our career. And, you know, there have been times where Brad you know, when we're years ago, we're navigating through things and Brad would say, what did Chris say? Because, <laughs> you know, you need you need that support and you also need to be able to let your guard down to know that you're trying to find the right answer. So you want to go to your trusted, your trusted people, but finding the right answer doesn't isn't a failure within you. You know, or, you know, it's it's right. this is a this is a completely congested, unregulated industry to a degree. Um, and, you know, the negative side of our industry that we don't talk about a lot as managers is, you know, once you have a client that starts having some form of success, people come out of the woodwork, right? And there are people who are hungry to, to take your artist. And a lot of times those people will say whatever the artist wants to hear, uh, which can put you in awkward moments, you know, as a manager. So, you know, I, I'm never too proud to seek counsel from people that I that I admire and honor and, and know, you know, uh, might be might be helpful in a situation. But, you know, back to your question about managers, I, I'm just always impressed with managers that go the distance with managers that take this as serious as, you know, any other job and, and spend the time to curate and carve out a career and, you know that Pete's is always that guy that I just have had a tremendous amount of respect for. No, that's a great example. Um, absolutely. Um, one final question, knowing kind of where you're at now, and I guess you alluded to having uh, a meeting earlier today with a, a budding manager, but how much, um, or what kind of role do you play on the mentorship side? And what's what's a piece of advice that stands out the most when you're you're talking to somebody that's just cutting their teeth on the management side? Do you always try to convey? You know, a couple, I mean, that's a great question. And I think I wouldn't be where I am today if I hadn't had mentors. All You know, not just in the music industry, but all along the way. And when a younger manager reaches out and says, Hey, I've got some questions. I could really use a hand. Um, I kind of take that as, as you know, I feel honored that I'm in I'm in that position now where I can also give back and help guide someone along the way. Um, you know, we we do a couple things. I I recently part of the Grammy U uh, program have done a, a mentorship 
where I had a semester through Grammy U in Nashville. And, uh, and it was an opportunity to give a student a really inside, you know, kind of look at the music industry and what we do. Um, we also are very big, you know, we use uh, Belmont interns, obviously, as, as a lot of companies do. But I think what's unique about about Project Daybreak is that we typically have four interns a semester and we end up having interns that stay on for two or three semesters because I went through that program and interned many moons ago and, and did not, you know, I didn't feel like I was engaged or fulfilled or learning. So I think we, we, we try to give interns that we bring in a real opportunity to grow and learn and to feel like they're a part of something. And I think one of the business, you know, one of the, uh, you know, the biggest success stories for us is that, you know, out of 10 years, I would say that um, the majority of people that have come through our intern office are now working in the industry in significant positions from management to, you know, production to, I mean, it's, you know, we've, uh, we've really helped kind of, you know, transition students into the industry, but in a high level. Um, so I think, yeah, you know, that's awesome. and, and, you know, that's actually incredibly rewarding. Um, and, and feel, again, it's, I feel honored and entrusted that like, you know, the students care enough or, or, or they want, you know, they want engagement to, to help further their career. But I, I just never take things for granted, right? If, if someone reaches out and they're, they're making themselves vulnerable and they, and they want to, you know, they, they want to ear, I'm always going to be there because it's even, you know, Brad will meet with artists knowing that we're not going to take them, you know, if it's too early or whatnot, just to give them a voice and help, you know, push them in the right direction. Because sometimes, you know, artists just need feedback that they're doing the right thing and to stay with it. Right. Um, so it's, you know, I, I think anything we can do is key uh, in, in cultivating that kind of, you know, no barriers, right? Like, like giving people a voice and, and, and also just helping mentor. No, that is so great. Um, I couldn't agree more. Um, I, I've always, when I've had interns, I've always tried to empower them to really dig in and do something um, that's significant to whatever project I'm working on. And it, it feels like that's a turning point for them quite often where, you know, they get a real insight as to what the real work is. Um, and that's something that they can carry through, uh, and build on. Um, I mean, that's such an important aspect of this. Uh, you mentioned earlier when you started out, you, you kind of came into this from the artist perspective, being an artist yourself, um, and then kind of flipped into the management side of things. Um, you know, not every artist manager carries that same path, but you know, from, from your experience or vantage point, what are some good, like, entry-level positions for, for someone who wants to maybe aspire to be an artist manager to kind of cut their teeth uh, in, if it's not from a musician component? It's, that's an interesting question. I quickly, you know, you and I studied publishing in all of those areas, you know, at Belmont. Um and nothing really clicked for me until I started working in the industry and having real life experience with those areas, right? Um, I think one of the, you know, back to a question you asked earlier too, like what makes a good artist manager is someone who really has an understanding of all of these fields, right? Um, you know, if I have to rely on an attorney to talk me through publishing deals and record deals, now some of that you know, when it gets real nitty gritty in a 60 page, you know, contract, right. you know, it, but I still need to have a really strong understanding of it. Right. Um, so for me, it's like, you know, I, I have become a big student of if I don't understand something, I want to learn about it and I dive in immediately. Right. Um, when we started 10 years ago, you know, I, I knew that we had strong instincts that we had some know-how, um, but now 10 years later, you know, if you'd asked me back then, I would have had no idea that 10 years later I can read through, 
you know, a 60 page contract and understand 95% of it. Um, but more so, not just understand it, but, but also translate what it's saying, you know, to an artist so that they can understand it. Um, and I think being a student of, of, of the industry at every stage of your career is important. I think for people getting into it, if you can find management companies where you can internship and actually be involved in not just data entry, that's key. And if you can't, you know, go to a publishing company, see what you can learn there, you know, go to a booking agency, um, you know, intern at a label. I mean, you know, what Brad and I do that has been really helpful is that we co-manage everybody, but we focus on different areas. Whereas I focus on publishing, radio, the label, you know, Brad focuses on touring and really working with the agent um, and understanding, you know, I mean, touring is a massive machine. Um, and, and we're both, you know, there's a lot of synergy between us. He knows what's going on and he's part of the decision making on the areas that I'm focusing on. And I'm part of the decision making for the areas that he's focused on, but it allows us a bit of freedom to kind of work these areas independently to free up time for each other. Um, but, you know, if I just put blind trust and that the agent was always doing what they needed to be doing and that the routing always made sense, I'm not serving our artists in the best way possible. As you know, right. even great agents sometimes aren't thinking about, hey, this is a 10-hour drive after a long night, you know, and then there's another eight-hour drive. And, and you know, we are actually talking, you know, and, and also listening to your artists sometimes – an agent thinks that this is a great venue and then you find out from the artist it wasn't, you know, or the vibe was not great or the club was not very responsive and didn't treat them fairly. And um, so, I mean, I think you have to be as a manager, you have to be well-rounded um, and you have to have a thirst for understanding, you know, how a, a co-pub deal is different than an admin, you know, deal. Or when you get a sync, and you're unrecouped with your label and publisher. Well, what does that mean? Um, you know, understanding trademarks, copyrights, all that stuff, you know, it, it's what makes up a, a healthy career for an artist. So, you know, no, those are great points. Well, uh, and, you know, we worked with a, with a famous uh, songwriter, you know, kind of when we just started out as managers and, and, you know, his career came full circle to where, you know, copyright recapture came up and that was an area that I was completely unfamiliar with. And he was able to recapture, you know, some of his songs that had been, you know, held up in publishing deals. And, you know, I love, you know, for, for me, it was exciting to go learn about it and, and to figure out how to, how to set him up in the best situation possible with people to go recapture those copyrights. Um, again, it's, you know, this notion of like, I don't ever want to be in a situation where I'm where I'm in the dark, you know. I, I want to have a, you know, I want to have an understanding of how things work across, you know, across our industry. Now, there's people who are specialized, like attorneys, who who can who can go deeper, which is great. Um, but I still want to have a great grounding for everything, um, so that I can better serve our artists when questions come up. No, that's a great perspective uh, and a great way of looking at it. Man, thanks so much for taking the time to chat through all this. Of course, I love it. Um, you know, this has come full circle for you and I. I mean, we went to school together, <laughs> and we're, we're constantly navigating an industry that's challenging and changing. And I mean, I, you know, I tell artists all the time that when we were in school, it was so simple. There was there was, was. there was one model: the artist made money on the road, and the label recouped selling CDs. And that is good. That is completely changed <laughs> yeah it really has um it's it, i mean you and i've been doing this for what 20 25 years almost but in that 20 25 year time span i mean it's been a you know a cosmic leap over the business models and challenges and when it comes to the business side of things especially uh it's a whole different world um but you know, I love uh, the space I'm in right now to be the place where, you know, I've got a few projects I'm working on that's, you know, forced me to kind of reconnect with a lot of various 
managers and old friends and you know, for better, for worse, when I left noise trade, I leaned back into artist management because it's what I've always done. And. Oh, thanks. But it's hard to make a living doing it, as you very well know. But I love the fact that I can I can identify as an artist manager and it's been a constant for me. And, you know, I've really been into podcasting over the last year or so and trying to figure out my way through that and as I did more research and realized it's like I, I want to be able to have these conversations that go a little deeper on the artist management side with a lot of old friends and colleagues and hopefully some new people and you know I used to teach and I haven't been able to scratch that itch for a while so this kind of combines all that because there's really not a lot out there that's kind of frank and direct when it comes to just artist management um you know and i feel like you know that's why i kind of tried to scope this around the kind of personal side of things the the perspective of why you do this not what you do so much because i i feel like hopefully that'll be an inspiring and interesting listen for people um, to get to the heart of why people do this, not what they do. Um, because I, I think to be a good manager, you have to answer, why am I doing this first and foremost? You might be able to say, okay, I think I want to do this. I think I understand what it is, but it's a whole different gut check to say, oh, I, I, I can handle this. This is you know, more than probably what I signed up for or what I thought it would be, but... I have some insight as to what it is. And I think that's a part of the story that most managers, I mean, I'm sure it's out there to some degree, but there's just not a lot of that frankness. There isn't. I mean, I had no idea, right? When we shifted into this model 10 years ago, I had no idea. Um, I knew that I wanted to advocate on behalf of artists instead of working on the industry side. Um, but it was really, I mean, it's been eye opening. You know, what's interesting for me is that I left the music business program in my senior year and and basically treated that as a minor and went and did a communications degree and i focused on rhetoric um which actually that major i feel like has helped me more than anything within the industry because it was all on dialogue and it was all on communication in the workspace and it was you know it it, it was so valuable and then i went back to school and did a music degree um but it's like i mean this is a tough path, right? There are times where, you know, there there are times in our office where the air has been so thick, you feel like you're going to choke. And, and, and there have been times where it is, you know, jubilant because it's like, you know, because things are clicking. And, and because it is art, it's so emotional. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it, it's a tough path. And, I, and, I, and you're right, though, there's too much there's too much glory kind of perceived in our industry you know if it's if it's just fun and and i'm sure i bet you you're very similar to me in this i i have a real problem like there's a lot of young managers they go out and party with their bands and i just think wow this is like this space is not that for me like this is a business i'm trying to grow a multi-million dollar business for an artist and i can't be perceived as that person nor would I want the artist to ever look at me in that way. And I don't need to be their buddy. They've got buddies that can go do that, right? I, I'm not their buddy in that way. You know, I'm, I'm, that's not the role I ever want to take. Yeah, I mean, you can, you, it's almost more like a parent or I don't, in a way, it's like you can, and, and we're both parents, so we can relate to this a little bit. Um, but I mean, ultimately, you want to see the best happen. You want to be engaged and involved on all levels on a certain to a certain degree. But yeah, you can't be there. But just like a parent can't be necessarily their kid's best friend. As an artist manager, it's really hard to play that role and retain respect, or you know, the kind of relationship you have to have when you have to be, you know, forceful or pull and tug a little bit. Um, yeah, I, I I don't get that either. I think it's important to have some professionalism, you know, kind of carved out uh, within the relationship. You know, I'll, I'll say the last thing that I think that I spend a lot of time thinking about is agendas. 
it's really interesting when you have a lot of passionate people in a lot of different areas between the label, the publisher, the booking agent. You know, you've got all these people with 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 their own agenda, and not that it's a selfish agenda, right? But it, right. but it's maybe it's what they need from the label, and maybe it's you know, there's the publisher needs this sync because it's going to help recoup. And sometimes, you know, it it takes a lot of thoughtful. If you have a team, or if it's like a co-management situation, there's a lot of thoughtful conversations between you and the manager, or you and yourself, about what's best for the artist, right? Like navigating those relationships, picking and choosing, finding where you need to have your fights and where you need to, to you know, like that's that's a very tricky side of this business that, you know, is another thing people don't talk about, right? It's, you know, it's it's a very you can feel isolated in those moments where all of a sudden you're navigating all these needs and then you've got to formulate what you think is the most important and where to push and pull. Um, and especially when you know in our industry that someone's going to approach your artist and say, oh, I would have never have done that. You know, or or, 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 or you should have sold out that. Yeah, you should have sold out that show. And it's like, come on. Like, those, those are petty things, but they happen all the time. Um so again, it all goes back to just building trust and being transparent. Right. Having that relationship on that level. So important. Thanks to our guest, Edward. And thanks to you for taking the time to listen and to allow us to occupy your airspace for the day. I'd also like to thank my friend, Tony Miracle, for both the theme music and graphics for Tough Love. And I want to dedicate this first season to a truly inspirational manager who recently passed away, Elliot Roberts. Rate us, follow us, and above all, share this podcast with all your friends and fellow music industry and artist communities. It takes a village. You can reach us at chris at anhedoniamanagement.com. That's C-H-R-I-S at A-N-H-E-D-O-N-I-A-M-G-M-T.com. Be well, trip up, get back up. And let's learn as we go along. Until next time.